First things first, Craig, and how are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm all right. I'm doing well. Um, well, considering the state of the world, of course. Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, but I've been, yeah, I've, I've been talking way too much about that, so I'd, I'd, I'd like to jump into the the music and then the okay. fun things. So one thing is, uh, you grew up, or you were a teenager in the eighties, and uh, you grew up in the Santa Monica, I believe, or that area, and, yeah. and close to the Bay Area. What was it like growing up at that time with all that explosion of music around you? Well, I was basically in the Los Angeles area, so. Right. Um, uh, for for me during the eighties, um, my my local heroes was the the band that I sort of followed and watched every time I could was Dark Angel. Right. So, um, you know, I, I saw them uh, so many times. Every chance I got, um, we didn't get to see the Bay Area bands quite as much because they were about five hundred miles uh, north. Sure. But um, but I was a huge, huge Bay Area thrash fan. Um, that was always my my thrash was my favorite genre. I loved other stuff, too, like hard rock and, you know, metal stuff at the time. But that was always my my go to. So every chance I I got to see the, the Bay Area bands, I did as well. What was it about that music and especially at that age? Um, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I guess it was the, I guess it was the aggression, um, as a guitar player, the guitar work was like really intricate and interesting to me. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I liked, uh, I liked the bands that, uh, that had melody in the, in the vocals, but there weren't many of them. Um, Heathen was one of them, you know, Metallica, uh, so, I mean, and I, at the same time, you know, as death metal came out, you know, I remember when I got Scream Bloody Gore by, by death or, or even the, the first couple Possessed albums. I mean, those I, I liked that stuff as well, even though there wasn't melodic vocals. It was something to do with the guitar playing and the, and the, and the speed of the music and everything. I just found it fascinating. And that's an interesting point, because um, over the years, you've, you've kind of... Uh, collected all kinds of guitar influences and developed the way you play uh, quite extensively. But now this record is, this new record is described as kind of a, a mixture between the old metal and, and, and or the old thrash and then kind of the modern metal music. So can you talk, talk me through how you kind of developed yourself as a guitarist? Um, well, I mean, I, I started playing when I was like eight years old, but I really... I, I had an acoustic and it was, you know, it, I, I couldn't, I couldn't play uh, back in black on it. It didn't sound right. Right. So, so uh, it, I, sometime when I was a teenager, I got an electric and I started taking lessons, but uh, the, the teacher that I had just, he didn't get it. Like he was like a, a he was he was a '60s and early '70s rock guy, and he just didn't understand like the the hard rock and metal stuff that I liked. So I remember there was one day where I was um, I, I took a cassette in of this song, and I, I said I want to learn how to play this, and I think it was uh, I want to be somebody by Wasp, okay. and it had this riff in it with alternate picking, and this guy this teacher he just 
he, he was like, he was struggling and he couldn't figure it out. And while he was trying to figure it out and listening to it, there was like a little cassette player or something in the, in the, uh, the lesson studio. And it, while he was trying to figure it out, I figured it out myself <laughs> by ear. And I went home and I like played along with the recording and I'm like, okay, I get this. Like I'm, I went to my parents and I said, I need a new guitar teacher. And I found this, uh, they, well, they, they happened upon this other lesson studio. Um, and the teacher that I got ended up being a, a studio musician in LA. And so he, uh, he really helped me develop my, not just my playing, but also taught me about tone and, um, and, and, and control over what I was playing. And, you know, I mean, it was, definitely like that was the thing that sort of took my playing to to the next level mm. and then from there i just I, I went to uh college and studied music and i studied at a jazz school and you know i, I learned a lot um and and then just kind of developed my technique i guess more or less on my own okay after that because one thing I find very interesting about you is that you play in uh, several different bands at uh, several different times, uh, of course. Um, but is, is it for you, can, can you kind of separate all those things? Because you do a lot of writing for all of you, a lot of playing for all of those bands. Um, right. How do you kind of juggle all those kind of influences and feelings of, of and, and strands of music? Um, well, I, I mean, each one of the bands kind of has their own sound. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, you know, I, I, I have to, as, as a person who plays in multiple bands, I have to know, okay, well, this, this thing I'm writing definitely does not fit this band because this band wouldn't do X, Y, or Z. Right. Um, you know, a prototype is very different from, um, you know, any of the other bands that I have, for example, because there are progressive things in there that the other bands just wouldn't do. It wouldn't sound like those bands. So um, in that way, I mean, I guess what I try and do is I just analyze like what makes each band sound like it does and uh, and then try and write towards that. I don't let it I don't let those rules uh, hinder my writing. I, I let it come out naturally. So there probably is some bleed over from one to the other. You know, um, I'll stick something in a heathen song that might not have been any even stuff before but it's subtle i do it in a subtle way where most people would never notice you know um uh you know i, I guess that's the only way i can sort of describe it because if we go back to uh kind of the start of empire of the blind uh, which was around 2012 i, I think yeah um what what kind of mindset were you in when you wrote those songs and what kind of uh, sense did you have of where that album would be going or the songs that you were writing, uh, writing um, at the time I just started writing I mean in 2012 we signed with Nuclear Blast and so I basically said okay well we just signed a new deal we're ready to get started on the new material and I started writing and I would say probably out of the the six songs that I wrote in the beginning, uh, five of them made the record and four of them are exactly the same okay. as, as what I wrote. Um, didn't change anything. I mean, even the, I mean, even the solos and stuff, I already had them all mapped out. So, um, 
there was one song which ended up being the title track, which uh, which was revised. It just all the, all of us, you know, Lee and Dave uh, didn't think that it was where it needed to be. And I agreed. So I went back and sort of reworked it. Um, but the, I mean, the mindset, ultimately, uh, the three of us, uh, Lee, Dave and I talked while we were on tour in Europe for the evolution of chaos and decided collectively that we wanted the next album to be, uh, you know, shorter and more concise songs. So we wanted to have sort of the, the, uh, songwriting and epic feel from victims and evolution, but with the shorter song structures of breaking the silence. And that's ultimately, that's what we, you know, what we tried to do with the record. It's, it's interesting that you say that uh, four out of five kind of stayed exactly the way they are, because obviously over time, you as a person, you change as well. So, so do you, did you, did you have to rediscover those songs uh, at times? Um, no, I mean, I'm, I'm really, really picky when I write. So if it's not good enough, I'll redo it. Um, if the lyrics aren't good enough or the music isn't good enough, or there's a part that I just don't think is great. I'll, I don't hesitate to, to sort of tear it apart and redo it. Um, so when I get to a point where I present the songs to the other guys, um, I have to be happy with it myself. Um, and, you know, every once in a while, there's one where, you know, I was happy with it at the time, but then I send it to the guys and they were like, eh, I don't know. And then, you know, once they once they explained, I was like, OK, I understand what you're talking about. Like, I get it. I'll go back and, and revise it. And I actually didn't revise that that song until that was the last one that was finished for the record. Um, and it, and it, it it was an extension, extensive revision. We'll say that. Um, but, uh, you know, it's like I said, I just I, I have to be happy with it before I even want to show it to anybody else. This is going to be maybe difficult to put into exact words, but what makes a good song for you then? What what are you looking for? And I'm sure this is different for each song. But yeah, it is. I mean, it, it is different for each song. It's um, at, at the same time, though, uh, for me personally, um, I, it has to be it has to be catchy. The The riffs have to be cool and interesting. Um, you know, if there's, if there's a lot of melodic content, it has to be, uh, you know, it, it has to flow together. Um, I, I don't dislike stuff that's like disjointed. What I mean by that is where the band just suddenly takes a left turn and goes into something completely different. Like, I don't, I like that stuff, but I don't necessarily, um, enjoy writing it. Uh, unless it just happens to come out naturally. Um, but, you know, I mean, for the most part, I look at songwriting the way that um, it's been done over the years. I, I like a good, catchy song. <laughs> okay. You know, and unfortunately, it seems like a lot of, we've gotten away from that um, in metal a lot recently, where it seems to me like things aren't quite catchy anymore. It's more based on... Um, how fast is it or how crazy sounding is it or, you know. 
I mean, it, does that go back to you? And uh, if I'm saying something stupid, please let me know. But it, does that go back to to the Iron Maidens and those kind of events and who managed to kind of uh, get that mass appeal with melodic content and then it became too extreme maybe afterwards? Uh, some To some extent. I mean, you know, Heathen is kind of, just using his Heathen as an example, Heathen is like equal parts uh, Bay Area Thrash, um, New Wave of British Heavy Metal, um, epic stuff from like rainbow and the harmonies from thin Lizzy. And so you've got uh, these things and all of those bands wrote songs. Okay. Even rainbow, when they would have us an epic song, it still had parts and it was put together like a song. It might just be longer <laughs> and more epic sounding. Right. Um, but it's still, it was, they were still writing catchy, cool stuff, even if it was a seven minute song or whatever. So I mean, that's kind of that's kind of where where I think my songwriting influences come from. I like the the catchy songwriting. And I mean, even the old thrash stuff had that catchy songwriting stuff in it. It might have been, um, you know, it might have been crazy and uh, super fast and, you know, everything. But it was still had that the sort of, I guess, t traditional song structure. To sure, sure. So let's let's uh, jump into the record a little a little bit further because it is quite a diverse record. There are fast songs, but like you say, there's also uh, some more melodic and more subdued songs. So, um, for instance, if you take Shrine of Ap Apathy, uh -huh. that that's one of those uh, yeah more melodic uh, songs on the record. Did you have the words already, or does does that start with just the music? Um. I had that idea for a long time and uh, it, it just, it was one of those songs that took a while for me to get it where I wanted it. Um, it's a ballad and I wanted it to be a, a ballad in sort of the traditional sense of like the late seventies, early eighties stuff where it made you feel something. Um, a lot of bands do what I call soft songs, uh, but they don't make you feel anything. And I didn't want to do that. I would just I wanted it to be something. It, the The subject matter is about uh, all the people that we've lost in recent years, um, and it's sort of a. I, I wanted it to to make people feel something. So it took me a while to figure out how to get it there. I I had to experiment with a lot of different things and add parts and and then when we got in the studio and Dave added the you know. When he he added his vocal performance, he just he, he did such a great job on it. So um, this band has always had diversity in it uh, in terms of of the music. Um, you know, go back to Victims of Deception. They had Prisoner of Fate, um, and and they had In Memory on the Recovered EP. There's always been that side of the band. Um, and, you know, we, we may have done a little bit of a different presentation with it, with this song. But again, you know, this band doesn't like to repeat itself. We like mm -hmm. to try and do different things on every record. And it's interesting that you are, it's, it's uh, apt that you say that, uh, talk about David's uh, vocal performance on that song, because uh, I, I could really hear that, that he, he went all out on that song. And when a, when a song has such a, a emotional theme to it that, that it's very close to you that it's it's about people you knew and loved um 
what is it like in recording a song? Is it, is it very emotional? Is it very difficult because you want to get it perfect? Uh, well, I'm a perfectionist anyway, okay. so the whole process was difficult. <laughs> okay, <laughs> fair enough. And I made it difficult for everybody else because I was so picky. But um, at the end of the day, I mean, you know, that's why we do this. I mean, to me, when you make an album, it lasts forever. A live performance is one night, but the album lasts forever. And so um, when we do it, I want to, you know, and this band doesn't hasn't traditionally released a lot of stuff. So um, when we do it, I want it to be great. I think the other guys do, too. You know, so. We push each other and 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 push each other. I probably push them harder than they push me, but uh, I push myself, you know. So uh, I felt like there was a lot of, uh, you know, there was a lot to sort of live up to. The band has had a um, a history of making good stuff. It's kind of quality over quantity, and I and the new album just had to. It had to live up to that. When you're gone for ten years, I don't think you can come in and put a put out a stinker. It's got to be great. Fair <laughs> enough. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, do you feel that pressure then from people? Because I, I can imagine people are continuously asking you when is the new, new music coming? When oh, is the new music come? Absolutely felt the pressure. Um, you know, I, I I gave myself more than a number of tension headaches during the making of the the record. Uh, putting the pressure on myself, you know, mm -hmm. to make sure that the songs were as good as they could be, and um, and uh, you know, it it was it was a lot of work, but at the at the end of the day, the end result is is worth it. You know, it's it's um, I think we're all very proud of the record, and um, you know, it, it really came out great. Yeah, what what was it like then? Because it's been such a labor then. Um to finally hold kind of a physical copy or a finished product in your hand. What, what is that moment like? Is, is that kind of, are you thinking about things you still want to change? Or? Well, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm waiting for the CDs to show up at, at my house today. Uh, okay. So okay. <laughs> I run this, the heathen web store too. So I have to ship <laughs> everything out to everybody. Oh, wow. uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, it's great. You know, it's, that's what we work towards. You know, we put all this time and energy into you know, writing the music and writing the lyrics and recording everything and getting everything just how we want it and including the artwork. And I mean, there's a lot that goes into it. So when you finally get that, you know, physical copy in your hands, it's like, it's like, wow, this is, we made this, you know, I mean, that's how I am with it, with it. a lot of things that I do, whether it's music or guitar books or whatever, you know, I mean, to me, I love I love creating and 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 when you have that thing in your hands that you created, there's it's a great feeling. I mean, there's nothing sure. better. Sure, I can. Well, I can't imagine I'm not a musician, but uh, I get the sense. Um, getting back to the record, then, because one thing I also find inter interesting is you mentioned uh, five demos were kind of already written in 2012 that ended up on the record. Mm -hmm. um, does this include the lyrics? Uh, yeah, the, I, by about 2014, I think I had five of the songs with lyrics. Okay. Because what I find interesting, and then some uh, songs are a little more personal, uh, some are more about the world, uh, yeah. as it is, but back then it wasn't the way it is now, but some songs see more apps maybe even now than, than back then. So, so what is that like? But uh, can you 
take me through that uh, process of, of kind of that creativity, having something in your mind and then kind of seeing the world move towards, well, towards yeah, what you're writing mean, about. I mean, some of those things, um, you know, the lyrics for, let's say, The Blight and Empire of the Blind, those were re those were more recent, obviously. Okay. Okay. Um, but then other ones like The Gods Divide, that's mm. it. That that was one of the original demos. And that's mm -hmm. sort of in that sort of social political realm. Um it's a lot of this stuff is t it's timeless. It's always happened throughout time. It's just different. It's a different presentation now. So, you know, we've, this band's probably talked about propaganda and stuff like that over the course of the years forever and ever. And now all is all that's different. It's the same. It's just that now it's, now it's using actual news media and social media to spread the word much more quickly by hitting mm -hmm. share. So, um, but, it, but the, the topics of all that they've always been there, you know, yeah, it's, just, it's just, uh, it's a different method now <laughs> of distribution. But, but I can imagine like, a song like, uh, the God's device, I mean, especially in an election year, like it is this year, it's very relevant kind of the people that we oh, yeah. look up to. And, and, uh, so is that, and I think you mentioned, you touched on it earlier, but is that kind of part of the, the type of music that you write that you do want people to think and you do want people to, to walk away from, from it with more than just, oh, that was a cool song? Yeah, I mean, the, the thing about like thrash metal, um, the very, very early days, the lyrics were, you know, bang your head against the stage and, you know, it was about the, the bond of, of, the, of real metal. Right. Which is it, it was sort of an, an the antithesis of the uh, the hair metal stuff that was happening and it was so popular. Um, but as as it grew, thrash metal became more and more about making a political statement or a social statement. Um, there were some, you know, there just like heathen, we this band has always had a mixture of sort of, sort of social and political topics and um more personal stuff and that's that's just how this music has kind of always been it's been a it, it's been a um uh i think it's i think that the guys in the band want people to think about what's going on in the world around them um and you know while while there probably are some lyrics that are not that deep there are also a lot that are really deep you know and i mean in in various bands and have so it's it's uh it's it's always been that way and i i think that's one of the things that i liked about it as well as a teenager was that there were there there were a mixture of topics just like the the variety in heathen's music there's variety in the lyrics too mm -hmm. and to me that's how that's how those classic records that we love, you know, I'm thinking like the the early Metallica stuff that everybody holds up as like this is the crown jewel. Right. That's what those those albums had. They had a variety of not just music, but also with the lyrics. And it, it's creatively, it's great because then you're not stuck writing the same thing over and over again. Like, you know, I mean. Sure. It's I, I can't imagine being in a band where I have to write about Satan all the time or whatever, you know, where it's like that's the topic and like that's what the band's known for. It's like, OK, man, well now what can I do with this? You know, whereas in this, uh, you know, in this band, 
there's so much variety. There isn't a fear of writing something different because the band's probably already written something different like that before musically or lyrically. So to me, creatively, it's very open and there aren't any rules, you know, I mean, thrash metal nowadays, um, thrash metal seems to have all these rules and regulations. And when, when we were young, it was thrash metal was all about breaking the rules and doing whatever you wanted in your music. Mm. So, <laughs> I, 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 yeah, it's, it's it's interesting how how kind of that got turned around because it's obviously since since you started with uh, psychosis and and everything, the music industry has changed quite a bit and and has shifted in terms of how how, how uh, money is made, but also uh, what type of uh, music is popular and played on the radio. So how how do you see the place not may, not maybe specifically of thra- uh, thrash metal, but metal and rock music in general these days how do you uh perceive it and its place in kind of the musical landscape uh there's actually a lot of it it's just that there's sort of like there's sort of two two big types of hard rock and metal stuff right so there's the stuff that that gets played on what they call active rock here radio okay which is all the stuff that's commercially acceptable. (laughs) Okay. Some of those songs, write, Or some of those bands write really good songs, but your thrash metal guy isn't going to connect necessarily with it because it's commercially acceptable to like Mm. that band. Um, And then there's the other stuff, which is the not commercially acceptable, which is all the thrash and death metal and, you know, everything that, everything that doesn't sell mass quantities. Um, And, even within that, now it's it's broken down into subgenres. So when I was a kid, there were there were subgenres, but there was like okay, there's 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 metal, there's thrash metal, and there's death metal, and that was like and maybe black metal. Okay, there were like there were like four types, mm-hmm. and now it's like it's ridiculous how many subgenres there are. You know, like you know, blackened death metal, and you know. Um, thrash prog and i mean at at the at the time though we didn't care about that Mm -hmm. if bands crossed over and did something a little different it was okay you know i mean how many how many thrash bands would start uh with a slide guitar and and clean stuff like cajun hell by exodus but that's what made it cool is they would do something just out of the blue and it, and it, and yet it became one of those songs where everybody wants them. They're like, "Why don't you play this live?" So, <laughs> and this is something I've uh, thought about uh, personally quite a lot. And is that just a question of um, your generation being more free, almost in, in what they can do with with these days? Um, so much not just attention from media social media and everybody having their opinion but also in terms of finance that they have to be able to sell it so they the record label just says no you can only make something between this and this and then the rest we won't uh, put out i i mean i don't know i, I I'll, I'll tell you like nuclear blast gave us no direction right that's what i hear they didn't about tell us, yeah. they didn't tell us to do anything they didn't tell us not to do anything they let us make the record we wanted to make, which is just like the old days. I think the real difference between back then and now is bands used to be able to make a living off of the music itself. OK, there were they, they would make an album and it would sell enough copies 
that they would get money from making the album and then they would go on tour, but then they would be kind of motivated to go back and make another record. Right. Because they were able, they, they didn't spend like their, their life on the road. They were making music and creating and then going out and supporting it and then going back and making another record. And, and so bands had an album, you know, every year, two years, somewhere in that time frame, you know, except here. <laughs> uh, but, but that was the, that was because they were able to make a living from the, the actual music they were making. Nowadays, um, bands spend less time being creative and more time touring because we're basically traveling t-shirt salesmen. Mm -hmm. We make our living by going out and playing shows and selling merchandise. And it, it's and it's less about making money from actually playing the music. So what you're starting to see or what you have seen over the last decade is bands release fewer albums, there's more time in between them, and they're out on tour constantly. And that's really how I that's really how I see it. I would love to get back to a place where bands are are focused more on the album because I think, frankly, albums would be better for it. Band, when bands do make albums now, even every you know three, four years, whatever it ends up being, it seems to me like they're like, we got to make a record so we can go back out on tour. So let's just get a bunch of songs together and, and do it, you know. Mm -hmm. And and of course, of course, they're they, they're still making great songs. But they're not making like uh, they're not sort of taking it to the next level like they used to. Like those bands used to be competitive and they're like, we're going to make a better album than yours. And we're going to make art, you know, something that's that's artistic. And that's it's a real album thing, mm -hmm. you know, and it's not just a collection of songs so we can get back out on the road. Um, I mean, bands have done that throughout the years, too. But, um, you know, it's. It's uh, it's that's where I see the difference. I see less less emphasis placed on making uh, art and and more emphasis on we have to get out and go back out on tour. But they're telling us we need a new record, you know, mm -hmm. so, OK, you know, <laughs> that makes a lot of sense, because uh, from what I hear uh, from a lot of musicians, it's they are they're always very exhausted with um, touring. And then I, I can imagine that not being very conducive to creativity. So, so um, well, to, to round off that, because since music, uh, the music industry has kind of functioned on playing live these, these last uh, years, and now that element has been taken away from us as well. Um, and then you do a lot of different things. You, you've been very uh, productive, I, I would say, over the years. You, you've written, you've, uh, you, you teach, and all kinds of things. But, but how is this affecting... Uh, your, uh, yourself, and, but also the, the community of musicians that you're in? Well, I mean, it's we're in a weird place right now. Um, you know, we, we had to make a decision on what we wanted to do with the new record. Um, we had a choice. Uh, we definitely had to postpone the release, but that was because retailers like here in the United States, Amazon is the biggest mm -hmm. seller of music. So we had to wait until they would be able to take new product because they were focused only on like, you know, things that people needed during the pandemic, like rubber gloves. and masks. <laughs> yeah. So um, we had to wait, but then we made the choice of let's get the music out to people when they need it. Right now, everybody's stuck at home. 
looking for new entertainment. Let's let's release it now. There are other bands who finish their album at the exact same time as us that are holding it and they're not going to release it until they can go on tour. They'll hold it for a whole year or whatever they, you know, whereas to me, I, I, I like being creative. So for me, if this continues on and we're not able to tour, I'd, I'd like to go make another record and surprise everybody and release it in two years instead of 10, you know, um, it's, it's definitely going to be an adjustment. I think that a lot of bands, uh, certainly all of the crew that work for bands, um, a lot of the, the venues, promoters, everybody is really struggling right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, financially, it's it's very difficult for people, obviously. Um, but when we we sort of don't see an end in sight, we don't know when things are going to return to normal. Everybody's planning for next year, like, at, you know, staying positive and planning for next year. But but we really just don't know. And and when it does return to normal, it's going to be a logistical problem for for all of these bands because every band on the planet is going to want to go and tour next year. There aren't going to be enough tour buses. There not aren't going to be enough open venues. There aren't going to be enough crew. It's going to be um, it's it's going to be overwhelming and and fans are going to be placed in a weird position of like there are three concerts that I want to go to tonight and I have to pick which one. Um, and it's, it, so it's, I think next year is going to be a real, really difficult, um, whether, it, whether concerts happen or they don't, it's going to be really difficult. Um, it may, may return to some sort of normalcy in the following year. Um, but again, we don't know it's uncharted waters. And so we're just kind of, we're kind of in this place where we have to adapt and survive. And, um, a lot of guys are getting creative and they're doing, uh, different merchandise, you know, types of merchandise than they've done in the past. You're seeing stuff like, you know, puzzles and, you know, I mean, anything they're really, really scrounging, trying to find out mm-hmm. like how, what can we do right now to, to, to keep things afloat so that we can continue to be musicians because the only other option is for people to, stop you know and go get a real job or whatever (laughs) uh you know so uh and obviously those of us that are just musicians i mean we don't want to do that we're this is what we do so uh it's it's really difficult you know streaming is where uh everybody listens to their music now the royalty rates are incredibly low and, um, you know, I mean, people have to keep in mind that even if a song gets a million streams, uh, let's say I, I, I don't remember if it was a song or an album, so I'm probably not quoting this right. But let's say it generates four thousand dollars. OK, mm-hmm. from those million plays, then the record company gets it. And then you you get your royalty from the record company. Let's just say you have a really good deal and you get half of it. OK, mm-hmm. then you have to split that up amongst the band. And so you can kind of see how it ends up where it's just, you know, everybody gets a piece. And by the time it gets back to the band, there's almost nothing left in a way. Well, there's just very little. And so it's not, it's not a way to, it's, it's not sustainable. Right. Um, For, for an art, for an artist to live off of streaming royalties. And I'm sure there are some, but not in this kind of music. You know, mm-hmm. pop music, rap, maybe I mean, hip hop. Uh, 
there are some that, that some artists that generate enough streams where they're making a, a decent amount of money from it. Uh, but it, it's, it's a new world and we just have to find a way to adapt to it. You know, sure. I mean, there's, there's nothing else that we can do. And then leaving, leaving the live shows aside then, because like you say, it's very uncertain. We have no idea when that will be uh, starting up again. What do you hope then that the album uh, that you're releasing, and like you say, you want to release it now to give people uh, something to listen to in these times. Um, what do you hope it will do for, for, for the band? Sell a lot of copies. Well, <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, no, I mean, I mean, here's the thing. Um, we all feel like we made a great record, mm. and um, we hope that uh, we hope that people can connect with it in some way or another. Um, whether it's with the music or the lyrics or whatever, um, there's there's a little bit of something for everybody on this album, and uh, you know, we'd love to see it kind of put heathen um more in the forefront of the thrash metal scene um frankly this band has never really gotten the credit that it that it deserved um i think that in some ways it's because uh, of bad timing with releases you know album releases the large gaps in between didn't help um but you know i'd like we'd like to see this album kind of get get heathen back to you know sort of uh the forefront or at least put it on pe people's minds you know like some of the other bay area thrash bands that that get talked about a lot and you know hopefully it leads to um some more music i mean i'd i would love to do more stuff more frequently i mean my commitments with with exodus are over at this point uh, as far as touring i'm still on their management team but um i i I won't be gone all the time touring with them so I can focus on making music. And I have a lot of music, um, you know, that I, I'd like to to get out into the world, whether it fits with Heathen or, or other bands. So, um, like Sounds I said, it's kind of uncharted water. So all we can do is, is do what we can to stay busy. So, you know. Yeah, but that sounds good. If if, if you if you're not on, on the road, at least you you have the space to be creative and then see what you come up with next. So that's uh, that's a good thing. Craig, yeah. I want to thank you a lot for your time. Uh, thanks for taking the time sitting uh, down with me, and I hope you have a great day. Thank you. Thanks for the interview, Robin. I appreciate it. All right. Have a good one. Bye bye. You too. Cheers.